Welcome to the check state. Every time. Oh my God! It's this late in the in the month. Jesus! Yeah, it's the yeah. May twenty fifth. Yeah, yeah. We... PFF forecast. Rents too, George. <laughs> this is uh, I'm George, and I'm as always joined by Eric, and we are going to talk about my favorite topic. Actually, it's not my favorite topic, but it is um, the Jimmy G trade rumors have arisen again, and we're going to talk a little bit about do we think he'll get traded, when he could get traded, and like does it make sense for anybody to actually trade for him. Um, we have an incredible tweet that we are going to read and discuss and deliberate. I do have the recommendation that I promised that I would potentially have for you. Nice. I have it. Love. And the best part, best for last, we're going to talk player props, season-long player props for some uh, some rookies. Let's rock. What's up, everybody? I hope uh, you're enjoying the last uh, last week of May here. Thank you to everybody that's watching us live on YouTube right now. By the way, if you don't normally come and hang out with us live, the chat is a blessing. It's a blessing. Come it's, it's a bunch of participants. Members of the syndicate. Yep. Uh, Bufo on the beat saying Jimmy G is making a f- move full-time to the adult film industry. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. It's interesting. Uh, Source? Uh, yeah. Shafter, good, good, uh, good Whoa, thought process problem? here. Um, yeah, th- well, last time we took about what five minutes to talk about other sports so we could get the the group mm-hmm. bigger. I think that that's maybe something we have to do. Um, today, did you were you on the Warriors last night? No, I wasn't on the Warriors last night. Um, in fact, shout out to um, the guy that actually is uh, no one. No one knows his name. They will soon enough. He runs our main um, social account, Zach Tantillo. I was talking to him last night, and he had Warriors in five. And instead of betting um, the Warriors last night, he bet the Mavs last night because he was that confident. Um, and I uh, I rode with him on it. The Warriors backups almost came back and won the game. I know. I was trying. So my thing is, like, I've been prioritizing sleep like a fucking loser. And... Um, uh, so for that reason, I've just like turned off the TV at 10 o'clock and unless it's a really compelling game, but this, I've been staying up later the past few nights. And so I had it on and I was just like minding my own business, brushing my teeth. And all of a sudden it's an eight point game mm-hmm. and they almost came in and, and gave it away. Um, but ended up holding out. So Apparently there's COVID that in the heat group. Really? So I am going to take Boston tonight. Okay. Um, What's the spread on that? Two and a half. I do think it's moved towards Boston because of this news, but I feel like COVID is maybe more than the sum of its parts. Plus, there's a does lot it, of injuries, uh, and there's uh, a lot of just like – Who has it? Do we know? I, I heard it's like sweeping through. Oh. Yeah, sweeping through. Because um, the way I, that series has gone for me is like every time I think one team is in a position to dominate, they get blown out. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. Um, or as Emmett Smith would say, blowed out. I was waiting for you to say that. Uh Huh. I guess that I mean if it's two and a half, two and a half is nothing. So I think I'm with you there. Um Alec Gilligy in the in the comments at the airport. Thank you guys. Clutch. Which airport, Alec? I that I'd like to know because there are some airports where the people watching is almost as entertaining as a show like ours. And then there are other airports where that's not the case. I think of like O'Hare. The mm-hmm. people watching is worth 
you know, everything, Minneapolis, Indianapolis, anything with Annapolis, Annapolis at the end. Um, I'm fascinated by airports. Well, no, you hate airports. I do. I do hate them, but I'm in them a lot. And I feel like I generally know what I'm doing in them. I think that they can be intimidating. Um, I'm the guy that like I hate them so much that I always make sure I can go to a lounge. And if I can't go to a lounge, I'm like kind of despondent. But I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to make. And I think it's what we're talking about here is sports betting. Like, what if just airports, it doesn't matter where they were, you know, could bet in airports. I know, I know. That, that's the thing. Like, I, and, and actually, great? let me bring up a tweet here because I was going to do this at the end, but it was really cool because I, I, I interacted today with somebody who's a listener to the show that I normally, and I don't, my follower to follow e-count is like pretty, like I don't follow that many people. Oh, look um, at you. Yeah. Humble yeah, brag. Humble bro. brag. But like, <laughs> um, but our friend Andy Molitor, who is at BetSperts, really cool, really fun guy to talk to. Um, great, great guest we've had on the show before. He tweeted uh, yesterday, he goes, betting at Circa Sports. By the way, Circa Sports is like a sharp sports book, but it's only it's in fewer states than, than states are legal, right? It's in Nevada. Mm-hmm. We've been to Stadium Swim before. But it's also in Iowa where our, our colleague Ben Brown lives. And Andy is a, from Minnesota, and he goes, betting at Circa Sports while I'm in Vegas versus betting at Circa by barely crossing the border into Iowa. So he drives from mm-hmm. Minnesota to Iowa. There's a casino in northern Iowa called Diamond Joe's that is as be, big of a privilege as a it sounds place. like. Um, he, he says, and he took a picture of this, like, this gas station, he go, and, and he takes a picture of Stadium Swim, which, like, I don't – look – even if you don't like sports, the scenery at Stadium Swim, let's just say, is, is it's pretty a great nice. Place. Beautiful place. Um, the he goes, seems like I really need to get back to the desert soon. He should, you know, he shows a picture. Um, Mr. Taco Castle, Bailey Zappy Stan account, quote tweets and says, Wait till you see Lawrenceburg, the Lawrenceburg Burger King I visit. Wow. And, so people and are as just somebody like, who's used that Burger King parking yeah. lot a number of times, because the thing about the, these geotracking systems and stuff like that is, A, there's a sports book in Lawrenceburg that you can walk into, but there are places within that sports book where, like, Caesars doesn't work, DraftKings doesn't work, FanDuel doesn't work. And then, like, there, it's, it's basically, like, this Burger King parking lot is, like, the one place if you don't really want to go all in to Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. All in. Like, you, you just want to play just a tip with Indiana. Like, there's not... Like you, you basically have to go to these like certain parking lots, and maybe the app will work. So now How, every time I drive by, like every time I go by some random parking lot and it's filled up in a state that you can bet in, now that, I'm going to be. Curious. Now you know, and and so he, the reason, and so and this this gentleman he he uh, DM me says I am a I'm a fan of the show. I listen to the show. We we appreciate you, and I, we also maybe grab pre- a burger sometime. Exactly, and and then I, I I also talked about how absurd it is because it's not even this. If you want to play college DFS, college DFS is legal in Kentucky, but not Indiana or Ohio. So. And there, and there's this weird thing where if you want to, you can alter your lineups in an illegal state, but you can't originate one. Mm-hmm. So there's this, and I've gotten kicked out of DraftKings like four or five times for doing this. But you like drive to Indiana to bet sports, then you get in your car and you drive, and you don't want to get off the highway because that's a waste of your time. So then you're driving for like two and a half miles through Kentucky, oh, and no. you're trying to make fake lineups. You're really just loading up lineups and hitting enter, knowing when you come back, yeah. you'll actually fill them up. With, with players you want to have. 
And if you're like, again, just like not in the meat of Kentucky, they'll like ban you, right? They'll, they'll, they'll be like, oh, sir, you're trying to, you know, you're, you're, you know, trying to play illegal games and stuff like that. So like the, 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 the struggle's real. I don't, I have not experienced those struggles, but now I'm thinking about a couple of things. The first is when I was in Michigan, I was at the Detroit airport. I passed my time by betting on sports in a way that didn't suck. And it was lovely. The only thing that really stinks is that you have to like re-log in and reclaim your state and all this stuff every single time. And that's a pain in the butt. But um, it makes a ton of sense to me that you should be able to bet in airports. Like airports are the place where no rules exist. People are having a beer. I've talked about this before. You walk into an airport at 8 a.m. Dudes are at the bar at Chili's having a beer. Like there's no, there are no rules. They're like, just random massage parlors that you you find in airports. People are like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to get a massage before I hop on this flight to Atlanta. You know, not yeah. a big deal. What's wrong with making sports betting legal? That would be, that would incentivize people to get there early, be a lot of fun, make them more money. I feel like we can make that happen. That, that's also why, like, there's also these like, intricacies, right? Like the Omaha airport is actually in Iowa. When you look at, like, all the casinos. The, Ohio, the Cincinnati airport's in Kentucky. Right. Like, you you also, like, there's there's opportunity here. There's also, like, you, you know that, like, some of the casinos, I think, like, the Council Bluffs casinos, the Omaha casinos, are, like, on water. I think that there's, like, laws that require them to be on water because mm-hmm. – you know, there are, you know, Native American lands that are, yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff. And, like, you should just make, like, okay, above certain however many feet in the air, sports betting's legal. Like, that's how you should make it. Like, on airplanes, you should be able to bet it. Like, what if you opened a bar, like, right across the borders of some of these states? So, like, I'm thinking about – California is the one I keep thinking about. So, California is putting – Right. The uh, proposition, I guess you'd call it, on the ballot this year, and they've already started the um, the Indian casinos are, are already funding a ton of these, you know, ads to try and block it because it's interesting. They must be worried about the I casino betting because I don't think that they're getting a ton of handle from sports betting at Indian casinos. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they, they really do care about it. I think the I casino thing would be the the thing they might be more worried yeah. about. I but think like, you have to be worried about I casino stuff. Well, you have to be worried about problem gaming no matter what. But I think with iCasino games, you have to be you have to be especially cautious because the house edge actually decreases in those. But like obviously, you can play it more and more, so your right. chances of losing are but, a lot but higher. I'm talking about like the Indian casinos, right? They're oh, sure, lobbying sure. against it because right. they want they don't want to lose the the revenue and stuff. And I can't imagine they're making that much from sports betting. But my point right. is, what if you just set up bars where you like you have great Wi-Fi? And you're like catering to like maybe you ha- you put up like uh, a board with like FanDuel's odds or something like that. I'm sure you could figure that out. Um, you know, instead of like whatever the hell bars have above the bar. Yeah. And then you just like it's not actually a sports book. You just encourage people yeah. to come in and bet on the games. I think that is up. the sticky wicket, right? Where wouldn't that we, be sweet? You'd go to that. Yeah. If instead of the Burger King parking lot, you could go to to Diamond Jane's bar, and it was but, just but a that's sweet how that's spot. how it is. And like so, for example, in Indianapolis, like. The FanDuel sportsbook, at least the last time I was check, I checked was in a was in a restaurant. The, um, you know, the Barstool right. sportsbook in 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 uh, Lawrenceburg is like in a restaurant. Now they've gussied it up to make it look like they they first gussied it up to make it look like a sportsbook, and then they actually they made it look more like a bar of late. I, I don't think that they're hitting the right tones uh, there necessarily, but yeah, that's a good one. I, I do think you've hit upon one of the big reasons why sports betting legally is not getting 
as much traction as we thought, which is relative to an actual casino, the the sports betting it, the sports betting is just not a great revenue proposition for the individual books, right? Because a you have to have like you actually like you don't have to buy a you know uh, a, a risk management team for blackjack. The game manages risk itself. So. You have to manage risk for a sports book and the handle. Like if you read uh, Chris Andrews' book, uh, he runs, I believe, the South Point. Like there aren't that many like really big volume days for them, and, and there's a lot of days where they lose. Whereas like with a casino, like let's say you go to a big casino in Vegas, like they don't lose money on days just because of the, like the volume and the math is just such that like whereas the sports book can lose money on a certain day. Like if there's a big decision, like if the Super Bowl goes pear shaped for yeah. them, like. That's a risk like a lot of the – like the risk-reward sort of situation but, is not necessarily what a casino wants. So they're not going to advocate for it as heavily as as the consumer will. Yes. The iCasino, the iGaming stuff is harder to get past in states um, for obvious reasons. There's this interesting difference between – for a lot of people between like gambling and betting on sports. Like gambling versus – you know, playing blackjack people don't feel like they have expertise on, but they play it for fun and it's addicting and all that stuff. Betting on sports, there's like this sense of, I know something, right? And this is a passion for me and I do it. So I do think that there's this interesting market. And, and to be clear, the market is lucrative as hell. And, you know, the mm-hmm. sports books are making a lot of money. It's now very spending- lucrative for the, for the apps. I think for a, a oh, brick for, and mortar uh, actual, sports, yes, brick yes. and mortar, a brick and mortar casino, I think doesn't benefit that much from sports betting, Agreed. and that I think is where you you hit the impasse, which is the Native American casinos. Like everybody's like, oh, this is just another revenue stream, and they're they're looking at it like, actually, no, we're not take like we're not taking that much handle, and that's if we make good lines, yep. right? And, and making good lines is, is costly, and and hiring the staff for all that. And then, like, you've even looked, like, I, I've looked at the casino in Lawrenceburg, and it's, like, they have actually, like, reduced, it, it, like, the, the sports betting thing has, has ebbed and flowed, but I think they're actually on a downward trajectory. You go into that, and it's not necessarily as popular as it used to be, and it's, again, because of the apps. Like, I can just drive, I can download the Barstool Sportsbook yep. app on my phone and drive literally into, and then there's the other thing, like, where if you sit down at one of those sportsbooks, you have to pay $40 an hour just to sit there and bet, which you're like, I'm already laying 110 to win 100 Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, and that's like where like you're going to get the politics because you know the brick and mortar casinos which have the infrastructure that you want to be able to sort of like skirt some of the uh legislative you know not legislative but uh uh you know uh, basically like the rules and stuff like that like you want them for that that you know that that grounding you want places for people to go so and you want that tied to an app but for the most part like they're not actually interested in it no, it's a, it's a it's a really good point. We could talk about this for days. We're not going to we're not going to do that though. We are going to move on to Jimmy G. Before we do, a reminder that the best place to play fantasy football this summer is Underdog Fantasy. By the way, I was thinking more about ads within podcasts, and I decided if I were an ad buyer, I wouldn't ask for you to do an ad read. I'd figure out a way for you to talk about it naturally in the podcast. So we'll pretend this is naturally happening in the podcast. Love. You um, do this all. You play best ball. Uh, you draft best balls like it's your day job. Mm-hmm. You're very good at it. Now, you're a great multitasker. I'm not, so I couldn't do this as well as you could. But you can. You can be a part of Best Ball Mania because there's $10 million in total prize money, which 
look, I'm not, uh, you know, well, actually I am a mathematician. $10 million is a lot of money. You should get involved with it. And um, the easiest thing about best ball is that you draft once, never do anything else with your team, and you still have a chance to win. You don't have to do any of the roster management. And you sharpen your drafting abilities in a real stake situation yep. to then draft your teams. There's a reason that underdog fantasy's ADP, average draft position, is what we use, what our analysts use, what we have on our, what we'll have on our website very, very soon, um, so that you can get a sense of where players are being drafted. Plus, underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with promo code PFF and if you play 10 of those dollars using the promo code, you get a free PFF subscription. Yep. So this is a great, an incredible deal. So go to underdogfantasy.com or the app store and download the app. Use promo code PFF when you deposit. And when you play Best Ball Mania, win millions, get a subscription. You're in luck. Jimmy G, simple question. Does he get traded this season? Yes. I think it's going to be a... And what odds would you put that on? <clears throat> the yes is what? Yes is like minus 150, I would say. Okay. Uh, there's reasons for this. I think the not like, well, the Niners need to need need his money to, they need some money to, to sign their draft class, but they also need that money in case they want to make a move during the middle of the season. Uh, let's say they get into like week five or six and they're, you know, like they want to make an Emmanuel Sanders trade like they did the yeah. year they made the Super Bowl. Like they don't have any of that flexibility. When I look at the league at, at when I look at the league, like there's a few, there's a few reasons why they're probably, they probably should wait at least until like August. And, you know, we, you know, even since we've started hanging out, it's like, you know, 2016, Teddy Bridgewater tears his knee up. Vikings trade for Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. They, Sam Bradford's not going for a first round pick unless it's a team's right. desperate. Um, Ryan Tannehill tears his ACL again in 2017. They bring Jay. Remember, Jay Cutler was supposed to be a color guy for Fox, and then he goes and he was terrible for the An Dolphins. But they, pivot. they go and put him in. Um, well, that's where Jimmy G has value. Okay. That's where Baker Mayfield has value. But why wouldn't a team? Why would a team trade for Jimmy G now when it makes? I mean, the Niners. They shouldn't trade for him now. They, they should wait till August. Right, but or or early September. But why wouldn't if the Niners need the money, then why wouldn't they just wait and see if the Niners cut it? Well, because I, I honest to God think that the draft capital doesn't even matter at this point. We saw what happened with Baker Mayfield in two thousand in in the draft where the Panthers wanted him, but they 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 couldn't. And again, this is a really stupid move on the Cleveland Browns' parts, by the way, because again, like after you've done what you've done with Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield's salary is a fucking rounding error. Right. So like they, but they haggled with Carolina over how much guaranteed money they, they mm-hmm. should, you know, have to take on. And ultimately like Carolina bailed and took Matt Corral. Right. To me, it's not even about draft pick camp in compensation. Like the Niners are not holding out over the difference between like a third and a fourth around pick. It's the team taking him on wants to take on that money. Right. I, I think like a team like Seattle, a team like um, Carolina, a team like Pittsburgh, um, but if you cut them, you only have 1.4 in dead cap or in dead money. Right. That's true. You know, um, if you, if you, so for, if for him specifically for Mayfield, it's, it's worse. Right. But for him specifically, let like me look. That's, that's why, I mean, this is on over the cap, right? So if they cut it, right, they get 25 million in, in savings. In, in so, savings. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. It, and that, but that 20, so are I you guess, finding a team? I guess my question is, are you finding a team? And by the way, his his um, K 
cap number this year is twenty six nine five. Yeah, he's the he's twice he he has twice the cap hit of any other player on the team. The I guess the problem is is right now that cap space doesn't benefit you either. Other than Fair. to sign like that level of you need like five million in cap space. Right. You don't need twenty five million in cap space. You also need like the the I guess the pressure on Trey Lance if that matters to you. The where you could use that cap space is like let's say you get so you get to the middle of August and you realize that you're a solid team and you get like one mm-hmm. big thing for the Niners is they're almost never healthy, right? You get to August and you're healthy, right? No one's messed around, you know. You know, no one's gotten injured or anything, and you need to, you need you need money to maybe do, trade for Von Mil- a Von Miller type, right? Like the, mm-hmm. what the Rams had. Uh, you need the money to trade for like Brian Burns or something like. And they again, I'm throwing names out there that it might not need. Then that that level of money matters. Also, rolling over the cap, and I again, this is where like the my the limits on my expertise are just stripped here. But like, you might want to roll over that money. But like right now. I think it's like a, you know, the the draft pick compensation that they could get right now is not high enough for them to sort of like bail. And the cap savings that they get are not necessarily like, they, they might not think it's worth it. Um, it. It's, they could get a first round pick if a team has a quarterback get injured in August though. Right, right. And that that I think is what they're holding out for. The problem that I have here is that they have the same... I mean, the the Browns have the same incentive to hold on to Baker Mayfield that long. Like, you're still competing with another team for that. And if the Browns want to take less, mm-hmm. then, you know, both guys are in a situation where you almost have to – like, Jimmy G, they should never have to give up draft capital to let him go because they could just cut him. But for, like, Mayfield, they, they probably should have to attach a draft pick to him at this point because it's his fifth-year option. It's guaranteed. Right. It's guaranteed. I mean, that's the thing. And if you look at – I mean, the Niners right now do not have enough cap space to actually sign their draft picks, their draft picks yep. as cheap as their draft picks are. So Yeah, which is crazy because, yeah, as you said, they don't have a first-round pick, and their second-round pick was late in the draft, late yeah. in the second round. So, I mean, like Drake Jackson, I mean, his deal is going to be um, – gosh, it's going to be probably around $7 million. Uh, 2022 mm-hmm. cap figure is going to be just looking at comps, probably like 1.1. So it's not big. Yeah. But they don't have any cap space right now. If you go to overthecap.com, um, the 49ers have the, they're the only team in the NFL with less than a million dollars in cap space. They have $673,000 yeah. in cap space. So that's that's a challenge. And if you're a team that's looking to trade for him, right. you can hold them to that. They can't not sign trade, uh, Drake, uh, Drake Jackson. They have to. So. Yeah, and they're they're almost out of options here, right? So if you look at like the base, so one tool a team can use is to convert base salary into like a signing bonus and spread out the cap hit, right? But when you look at where they are, you know, Trent Williams has a seven point two five base salary. Um, so like in but in theory, like that's not a ton of room. Like Mm -hmm. you don't create a ton of room there. Um, Jimmy Ward is eight. Point nine again, like I don't even know how long these deals are. Jimmy Ward's is is long enough to I think to prorate that. And they might have already, but like they don't. I mean, one of the the key thing that they sh- could do is take somebody who you know, like for example, Nick Bosa's base salary right now is is eight hundred ninety five thousand dollars. So they've clearly like you know pushed money into the future and reduced his cap hit today. 
Like, but they don't have that out with a lot of players. And it, and that out is like, you know, Fred Warner's base salary this year is two and a half million, even though his contract, right, is is really big. They were able to sort of like push money into the future. They just don't have that out with anybody. So I don't know. I guess that, that's a really, I mean, in theory, I, yeah, it's strange. I, I, I think there's really no team with the incentive to take on Jimmy G right now. And if they cut him, and I think that the ultimate thing is like if they cut Jimmy G, like who's going to pick him up right away? Like he's basically a backup quarterback if he's on the open market right now, right? Whereas if you, you know, let's say the worst happens and like a guy like Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, like Jimmy G is probably a better alternative than Jordan Love. You know yeah, what I mean? I like, mean, look, I don't know if Nagler's on here right now, but you didn't want to get that. You didn't want to get started yeah. there. I, although they don't have the cap space to, to take him on. Like, that's right. the thing. Like, and not a lot of teams have, even have the cap space to take him on either. Like, it would have to be some sort of, like, arrangement. Yeah. Okay, this is not me. This is kind of me emotionally hedging. I'm going to answer the question I asked at the beginning of this. Will Jimmy G get traded? I can't, I can't imagine that he doesn't. But the fact that I can't imagine that he doesn't makes me a little nervous. And the fact that... He's also injured. That's a big part of fact, this whole thing. That's what I was about to get to. is The fact that he's injured right now... But that when healthy, Shanahan has to believe that they can go to the Super Bowl because they almost went to the Super Bowl when he didn't have his right arm. Yeah. And the fact, the simple fact that Trey Lance, Trey Lance coming out and looking bad. So here's how I'm thinking about it in my mind. If they get rid of Jimmy G, Trey Lance has to go out there. Okay. If he looks really bad, it's going to be even worse than. If they have Jimmy G and they go, yeah, we got to play Jimmy because, you know, it makes us competitive. At least you get a little more time to get like seasoning, I guess, on Trey Lance. I'm just trying to think about it in a way that like doesn't make a ton of sense, but is why I think it could happen. So I'm going to say I don't think he gets traded. And weirdly, I think he plays for the Niners this year in some capacity. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird situation, but you're right. I mean, like. The, the hard part, so let's bring up one more Shanahan question because okay. I've had a very, like, as far as, like, my my worldview is concerned, like, uh, uh, I, I think I think Shanahan's a great play caller. I don't necessarily know if he's a great head coach, that kind of thing. But, like, when you run such a unique scheme, do you run into a problem where guys like Debo and guys like Jimmy G are not more are, are their value is almost oh they're not valuable enough to other teams like Jimmy G That's is interesting Jimmy G if he went to a team that was less nurturing to the quarterback would probably suck okay like let he, me let me he's correct, a great asset to the let Niners. me correct your statement for a second Kyle Shanahan is a great head coach he's a by all accounts a fantastic leader of men a he has an incredible scheme he practically plays quarterback for his quarterback okay. He's an amazing head coach where I think you said great play caller. I agree. I do think the one place where he is not elite is in um, some of the, you know, play calling stuff, some of the, you know, run heavy stuff. However, he's got Jimmy G. It's not like he's got Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers out there. So I don't want to pretend that he would be that way with one of those guys and the fourth down stuff. But by and large, everyone I think knows that I'm a huge Kyle Shanahan fan, father of Sean McVay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, proud father of Sean McVay. Um, I think it's a really good point, but I will say this. It's not as if Jimmy G was going to look like Joe Montana with a normal head coach. Mm -hmm. So the only reason we're talking about Jimmy G being traded is because he's got Kyle Shanahan to begin with. 
Right. And, and yeah. And the only reason that the only reason that he was traded for a second round pick to the 49ers in the first place was that he was drafted in the second round by the best coach to ever live. And he played okay in the stead of Tom Brady for, for, for two games, one and a half games. He got injured in the, in the second game. And you know, that it's kind of funny considering like, you know, um, Belichick also drafted in the third round, Kevin O'Connell. He also drafted in the third round, Ryan Mallett. Like it's not exact. Like Garoppolo somehow slipped through the cracks. Interestingly here, and Garoppolo's better than those but guys. I, Don't I throw that shade. That. I understand that, but oh. the, the Houston Texans traded a seventh round pick for Ryan Mallett after he went through the whole Belichick thing. Like Garoppolo showed enough promise where everybody looked at the other results and was like, "Oh, he's actually better than all these guys," which is probably true, but. I think are they not so uh, sorry back to the trade thing again are they not going to say okay people don't want to trade for him because he's injured we have confidence that he'll look good in this offense if he's healthy we're going to trot him out what I thought they were going to do last year which is we're going to trot him out there we're going to play well and then we're going to trade him to some team that loses their quarterback like they're just going to try that again yeah well and somebody brought this up in the in the chat which I thought was interesting was also like the Houston Texans like the Houston Texans are making a big gamble that Davis Mills is is ready for this year. But in reality, like what if he like I always think back to the year that Peyton Manning got injured. Yeah, but they got to want a top pick. Yeah. He's got to go to a team that wants to win, right? I don't I actually don't know. Like cuz I I remember when you know when when Peyton Manning's last year when he had the neck injury with Indianapolis, they were going to go with Curtis Painter until like until and then eventually it got – Curtis Painter was so bad in the preseason that they brought Kerry Collins out of retirement and played him the first three games. Like, there is an aspect of a coach like Lovey Smith that just wants a quarterback to get the thing on the green, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with Houston being terrible for the yep. second straight year, you might just want a guy who can run an offense. And if Davis Mills, like, showed some promise last year, but there's nothing to say that he can't, like, just completely sh- shit himself in the preseason this year – Um Kind of interesting to talk about. I, I again, I, I do believe that Shanahan is the co- is the best coach for a lot of players, and that reduces their value on the open market to some to some extent. I think that's fair. Okay, before we get to our next topic, which will be some betting that we're doing, including uh, Eric is putting uh, Eric has a new uh, Jets. He was on the Jets last year. He has a new team that he's going to uh, melt their chances of success this year by betting on them and i can't wait to tell you who it is but before we get to that right now at pff.com 25 percent off with promo code forecast f-r-e-c-a-s-t and you'll want to get started because the draft season is upon us it is very close to happening and you want to be on the forefront of those things get all of the unlocked fantasy content from two or three time top five fantasy ranker nathan yonke projections by eric and his team Dwayne McFarland, who his sole goal in fantasy is to win money in high-stakes leagues and then tell you how he does it. Ian Harditz, who is the most engaging, hardest-working fantasy analyst on planet Earth. And, of course, Kevin Cole, who brings that little mathematical touch. Get all their content for free. All their rankings, sorry, not for free. All their rankings with a PFF uh, subscription, 25% off with the promo code forecast. And, of course, if you want all of our betting tools, get an elite subscription. It's a little more but it's worth your while and you get it for 25% off for an entire year. All right. Last year, take the people back here for a second. Oh, last year going into the season. And I gotta be honest. I hopped in the bandwagon with you. Cause I'm a Bobby Salah 
supporter, but you were all in on the Jets. This year's Jets. Are you ready? I have made another bet. The I, look, the real ones were on the Jags when it was <laughs> when it was like seven to one to win the division. Yeah. A little bit higher than that, eight to one at times. I think it was even ten to one early pre-flop. But I have since because this market has opened up. Uh, we make it like nineteen percent. It's this is eighteen percent, so it's really only one percent edge. But I'm really I, I'm doing this. I'm doing this to get out ahead because there are a lot of smart football analysts who are gushing right now over Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence's low turnover worthy play when uh, when they when the game was tied or by the way like. It's cool and everything to look at a player's, um, you know, statistics when they're ahead or, or tied or ahead, and that's great. And they perform well. Every quarterback performs well when they're ahead mm -hmm. or tied. There's also they were also part of the reason that their team's trailing. Let's be honest. Like, yep. don't don't lose sight of that. Now they're not the they might not be the biggest part. And I know Lawrence was under a cloud of dysfunction last year, mm. but let's not let's not ignore that. That being said, all of these people. All the group chats, all the all the hey, this quarter, you know, the Desmond Ritter lovers of the world. By the way, did they bet Desmond Ritter in round one? Did they pull <laughs> their money together? That one was fun. The syndicate did. The uh, the, the 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 group chat syndicate uh, did. I I certainly um, not so. Much. Uh, I liked. I took Jacksonville at plus. It, it ends up being about plus four fifty to make the playoffs. That's an eighteen percent. Uh, 18% proposition. We make it more like 19, 20%. I know the AFC is hard, um, but there's paths here, right? We everybody talking about who's the next Bengals. Bengals 150 to one to win the Super Bowl last year. Win total six, six and a half. I don't like betting minus 110 with quarterbacks who I don't think will be average in any way. Like I think Lawrence is either going to be a complete disaster or amazing. And I and if he's amazing, then I want the payoff. Mm -hmm. I want the four to one. I want the five to one. They're yeah. six to one to win the division. I actually think like the closeness of the four and a half to one yeah. and the six to one is all based upon the division they think being trash. Why would you not bet that then? Because it, I agree with you. Actually, I you know, not actually that makes perfect sense. The way I think about it is that the AFC is tough, right? Mm -hmm. But guess what? Where did they finish in that? in that division, right? They're not playing a first or second seed no. schedule. So they have a little bit of an advantage on two teams and the Titans and the Colts who have real question marks, right? Real question marks. I mean, to say that Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence being the best quarterback in this division this year by like a mile is what? Like, what are you laying? What, what's that price? I don't know, man. Like, what? I think it's like 50-50. Yeah. I think it's like a 50% chance that, at the end of the season, we're like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence was like a standard deviation better than any other quarterback in this division. And if that's the case, they're winning this division because this division stinks and those other teams have to go play better AFC teams than the Jaguars have to. So I don't know. I, I really like it. I would bet them, you know, I, I like the reach the playoffs here. I go again um, on my own with you betting on this this team the one difference is that we bet on the jets where we had no information about their quarterback i think we have information that trevor lawrence could withstand absolutely horrendous leadership mm -hmm. and you know whenever you can come out of that still standing, well, and doug peterson impressive. in year two with carson wentz took it took and now that 
Like, so the, the parallels between the Eagles of 17 and the Jags of 22 are not perfect. They're not like the, the Eagles loaded up, right? The Eagles got, I'm trying to think of all the players they got in 17. They got Patrick Robinson. Um, they got Rodney McLeod. I think it was 16 or 17. They got him in the fold. Um, they drafted Rasul Douglas. They, they traded for Ronald Darby. Um, they already had a defensive line that had Graham and uh, Cox and guys like that. Their offensive line already had Lane Johnson and, and Brandon Brooks and like a bunch of good players. Uh, and then they signed Alshon Jeffrey and they signed Torrey Smith and they signed Nelson or Nelson Aguilar was a first round pick that finally emerged out of the slot. They traded for Jay Ajayi in mid middle of the season. Now, not that's not what the Jaguars have done, mm-hmm. but you can make an argument that Trevor Lawrence is a better prospect than Carson Wentz was. And the Jaguars get Travis Etienne back. James Robinson appears to be too injured, I think, to you know be a factor this year. Um, you know they they drafted Trayvon Walker to go with Josh Allen. Dewan Smoot had fifty pressures last year as well. Um, you know they get I was at Foyer Aluakon, mm-hmm. which I mean, fuck, fifteen million a year for that. But like they 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 they're starting to they and then the wide receiver position, Christian Kirk and uh, Zay Jones. Like this is like Eagles light, right? Um, is that enough to win this division? It could be. I'm getting convinced. I'm, I'm getting sold on it. Um, the other one, you you like another team here. Uh, I like to fade other teams here. Yes, sorry. I mean, you like another bet here. I took these today. New Orleans under eight and a half is the one that you sent me, and to miss the playoffs, minus one fifty. Here's the challenge that I have with that. Jameis is decent. Mm-hmm. And I know Sean Payton is a big loss, but the NFC is so bad. And they are a talented team. So I man, I can see it. Like I t- it's weird to me because I feel like that that New Orleans and I actually I can get on the under eight and a half, but I do think that like Man, couldn't they win eight games and make the make the playoffs? Like that division or that uh, conference is just so bad. Yeah, but okay. So the way I see it, like I think the market is way too. Are you fading Jameis now? I'm not fading Jameis. Uh oh. Jameis is coming off an ACL surgery. Uh oh. He is loss of faith. We're gonna have to tell Timo this. Car- oh, Carmichael God. is is the offensive coordinator yep. for all intents and purposes. He's been that guy for a while, but he has not called plays. Dennis Allen, you know, is a great defensive coordinator from what it sounds like. Last time he got his chance to be a head coach, mm-hmm. it was pretty bad. Um, they are, you know, Michael Thomas. Like, we have no idea whether Michael Thomas is going to be good yeah. again. Um, Olave is a rookie wide receiver. You just don't know how those guys are going to produce. We're going to talk about their props in a second here. Um, and then Jarvis Landry, like Jarvis Landry is – uh, off injured older guy who might not you know and then and then on defense like they lose Malcolm Jenkins that matters um they lost Marcus Williams they, yeah. they replaced him with Marcus May but I think that's a downgrade um they've already they lost Hendrickson two years ago which I think hurt their pass rush some last year and like in the NSC you can just squint like look you have the first five teams right you have um Tampa Bay San Francisco LA Dallas and Green Bay. Okay, so now you need three. You need two more, right? 
One more, I, I think Philadelphia is probably better than 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 New Orleans. Minnesota in in London is a one point favorite against the Saints, so they're mm-hmm. technically a better team on a neutral field. And then we we squint and we look at okay, there are teams with better upside. There are you know the Commanders have better upside. I think the new New York New York Giants have better upside. I think you wow. look at the, you look at Arizona. You hate Jameis Winston. That's I, I'm not, what this is Arizona. About. I didn't even include Arizona. I know in this. that was surprising. Arizona me. has better upside. The like, Commanders do. I, the commanders, the command, like, look, and again, I'm not a big Carson Wentz fan. I've said it on Twitter. I'd rather pass a kidney stone than watch him play a 60 so football you, but game. You but, think, but I think, I think Carson Wentz, look, Taylor Heineke you know what was this is. fucking dreadful last year. This is you finally getting on board with, it takes, it takes more than building around a QB. Yeah. Oh my God. We lost him again. We lost him again. We're not talking about that. We, we okay. Um, so, so I, I, again, we make it 57.9%. Um, for New Orleans to go eight wins or under, we make it 63.9% for them to miss the playoffs. So both bets make some sense. Um, And and again, I like that, like, I'm a big-time cap is real fan. I don't necessarily mean that that means they're going to suck this year, but I do think that that means you should be weary uh, of laying big numbers for the New Orleans Saints. You mentioned Chris Olave. Let's talk about some season total over-unders um, for res- rookie receivers. So here they are. Um, let me start with, uh, these are not listed. These are on DraftKings.com. And these, I'm going to list them in order here from highest to lows. Traylon Burks, Tennessee Titans, uh, that's set at 869.5. These are all, uh, except for one that I'll mention, minus 115 aside. Next is uh, Garrett Wilson, 749 and a half. Next is Drake London, 764 and a half. Next is Chris Olave, 719 and a half. Then we have uh, Sky Moore, 680 and a half. Christian Watson, 675 and a half. And um, the only one that is not minus 115 is Chris Olave. The over 719 and a half is minus 25, under minus 105. Which of these? Oh, and I forgot Jahan Dotson, 611 and a half. That's the lowest one. What sticks out to you here? Because there's one in particular that really sticks out to me. Yeah. So the one that I, I'm going to go under on is Traylon Burks. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you're a fitness buff. The fact that he couldn't get through. And I know, like, look, we're talking about a 20. Like, I actually don't. Anywhere between a 20 and a 23-year-old man. Not being able to get through a, a, an unpadded practice in Nashville. In in And we're not talking. It's not fucking July. It's May. I'm fading that i hardcore and and a guy who like who people are like kind of like he's a little he like look he's we're not we're not fat shaming we're not fat shaming but but we would never do that but but the guy is not in great shape for a wide receiver and and if he asks and like look my biggest thing is like how many wide receivers have been sustainably good in the or how many players have been sustainably good in the nfl that needed to be babysat as far as their fitness it's not that many can i also yeah it's weird and by the way, he's replacing a guy in A.J. Brown who gets overlooked because D.K. Metcalf is a superhuman. Yeah. A.J. Brown is a physical specimen. Yeah. And, ah, uh, yeah. Also, I, also for, pa- him, for him to Todd be— Todd Downing kind of low-key sucks, too. For like, him to be 100, <laughs> 120 yards above anyone else on a team that is going to run the dude, hell I mean, out of the ball— 
This is, is the last dance for Derrick Henry. And by we dance, he's going to look and there's no holes. Yeah. And he's- it's going to be a dance for him. Okay. So we're locked in on under 869 and a half. I am locked in. The second one that caught my eye, and I promise I am not doing this just to make you happy. Just to gas me up. But do we really think that Sky Moore can't get 700 yards? Well, I actually. Well, what one of my friends who is he throwing the ball to well one of my friends uh 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 sam Mc, uh, mcdowell the, who is the kansas city star uh columnist uh he told he like blew me away with this statistic because i thought that this person straight up had mccall hardman last year now you you count playoffs but mccall hardman last year had 814 receiving yards hmm now, McCole Hardman's a bust, if, yep. if you ask anybody in Kansas City. Yep. And and in the regular season now, he had 103 yards in Week 18 against Denver when they had to rest Tyreek Hill, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess who's not playing but, on the Chiefs yeah, this year? Yeah, McCole Hardman, the regular season, had would have basically gone over this number or around this number. And McCole Hardman like, had weeks where he played like 15 snaps. I, I You know, I think Sky Moore... And I'm a big time MBS guy. I actually like. I think Juju's kind of fun. I mean, he he ingratiated himself to us when we had the lock of the week. Yes, Pittsburgh versus Lions. He caught a 97 yard touchdown. Helped us cover that number. But let's be but, clear. But but Sky Moore's the number one wide receiver of this team in a perfect world. They they invested. I mean, you think about it. Where did they invest the most capital in their in the receiving court? It was with Sky Moore. Round two, yeah. yeah. Trade back. You know, MVS is a two year, twenty million dollar deal. So a little bit more there. But yeah, they. Juju is not the guy the Chiefs invested money in. It was a one-year, three million dollar deal. It could be up to ten. He also Juju, like we don't have evidence that he's a great all-around wide receiver. We have evidence that he's a fantastic slot receiver when healthy. So like he's playing that role. Travis Kelsey's playing tight end, which is a Y role. You know, it, it, he actually plays the X for them. And then MBS is going to be a deep threat guy, and I think MBS is going to be great. But Sky Moore is the guy who's going to be getting them the first downs when they need them. I agree. Not a I lot agree. of drops last year for uh, in the MAC and Patrick Mahomes. Like one of the reasons Patrick Mahomes is reportedly happy that this is this change has occurred. Why? Well, hey, Tyreek Hill had twenty three drops last year, including an interception that was returned for a touchdown by yeah. and, uh, Micah Hyde on that. And, and guess the what? One Sky that Von Moore, Bell took away. From. Guess what? Sky Moore does. He gets he breaks tackles, gets yards. After he the gets catch. open. He doesn't he, drop the ball. And you know who's you know who's going to get him open is Andy Reid. Andy Reid's going to get him open. Here's, Patrick Mahomes is going to hit him. I love the over. There. Here's the one I liked, by the okay, way. One that more. I'm, I'm going to go with one more. And I think that this is this is going to be because of unhappiness, but I also think this is me buying into Carson Wentz a little bit more oh, no. than other people are. I like Jahan Dotson over. 611 yards. My guy, Scott Turner, get him the ball. I like it. And I like it because of how I, you know, I think Terry McLaurin is amazing. Everyone does, should. But they don't have it. I mean, after him, and they're going to be down in games. I don't think that they're going to be, uh, you know, I don't think the upside is coming there. So, yeah, I don't know if he'll get all 612 of those from Carson Wentz, but uh, I'm with you. What about my guy, Brees Hall? Rushing, season rushing prop at 830 and a half. 
Yeah, so uh, if you look at PFF.com, we did a cool uh, college to pro projection for the top three running backs. James Get Cook. it for 25% off, by the way. Yep, James Cook, Brees Hall, and uh, Kenneth Walker. Uh, we have Brees Hall with about a 4.2 yards per carry attempt uh, per attempt. So if you do a little bit of math, that means that Brees Hall has to get 198 carries for this to make sense. Okay, um, let, let's look at the 2021 Jets and see how many carries they were able to give to running backs last year because you know they won four games. I think it'll be a little bit better for them. Michael Carter got 147 carries. Tevin Coleman got 84 carries. Ty Johnson got 61 carries. So among those running backs, yeah. Austin Waller got 25 as well. So you're probably looking at um, you know, carry the two, about 300 possible carries. Do we think that Brees Hall is going to get two-thirds of those carries? I think if healthy, he's going to get two-thirds of those carries. So basically, this is a bet on whether Brees Hall is going to stay healthy the whole year. I, I, I don't think I can take under. I'll say that. I do agree. I mean, look, they're incentivized also to get right. him over. Incentivized to get him. Um, I think there's also, it's also, do you think that they're a good team? Because if they're a bad team, they're going to be throwing the whole time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I also think that they, if they are a bad team, they're going to they're going to try to erect some fake trophies. Like, look, mm. the like the 2018 Giants were dog shit, but Saquon oh, Barkley cool. won Rookie of the Year, and it's like I'm we obliged. Got him the ball. I'm legally obligated to bet over this, by the way. Okay. Um, because I've already bet the Jets over. Uh, let's let's go to the tweet that you have lined up here because we need to we need to get to it. We have yeah, yeah, like yeah. nine minutes left here in the podcast. This tweet is absolutely amazing. Um, go ahead and deliver it to us. Okay, so I gotta I gotta get back into this. Uh, Do you okay, want me to read it? so more butter TV tweeted Seth Green, board ape NFT, which was set to star in its own animated show, <laughs> was stolen through a phishing scam. Green no longer owns commercial rights to the NFT, and thus the show cannot move forward. There is a picture here, which is absolutely obnoxious, of Seth Green, who looks like he has not cut his hair since COVID started. Same. Uh, with a T-shirt underneath a excrement brown uh, blazer. So do you not like Seth Green? I don't, I don't mind Seth Green. I think that this is the most obnoxious fucking story so that we've this had. Is, this, this is, is getting, the most is, obnoxious thing since Quibi. Damn it, you stole my line. <laughs> I was about to say, I wish I had thought of this yeah. show with the quick. I mean, think about this. Uh, you know, <laughs> like where they have it in here somewhere. Um, uh, here, I'll read this, but it's from the article. Um, <laughs> actor and producer Seth Green was robbed of several NFT- NFTs this month after succumbing to a phishing scam that inadvertently threw a monkey wrench into the plan for his new animated series. The forthcoming show. Monkey wrench. The forthcoming show was developed from characters in Green's expansive NFT collection, but in light of the recent hack, the project's blatant crypto optimism was has become a tragically ironic reminder of the industry's shadier side. <laughs> they could do a, a an episode, a quippy show on this happening. The trailer, by the way, so this is the the show, White Horse Tavern was uh, teased at Gary uh, Vaynerchuk's um, conference called VCon, a twee comedy. The show, what is a twee comedy? I don't know what that means. The show seems to be based on the question, what if your friendly neighborhood bartender was Board 8 Yacht Club number 8398? In an interview with entrepreneur and crypto hype man, Gary Vaynerchuk Green said he wanted to imagine a universe where it doesn't matter what you look like. What only matters is your attitude. And that makes sense given what 
Seth Green looks like. Um, that was the meanest thing I've said in a while. I apologize. It was a mean. It was a mean thing to say. Yeah, I apologize. I just I couldn't resist. It was right there for me. That was our Quibi show of the week. Bringing it back. I actually have no problems with Seth Green. And, no, I I feel like this is and just, I'm all, I'm all for trying innovative things. Like I was for Quibi trying those things. The funny thing was that they like literally poured every dollar into it to like make it happen. It's like sometimes yeah. you want to get a little data and information about whether something's well, working. There were, <sighs> Yeah, there were people like I, we will never say this on this show. This is the point. Like there are people, like there were people who are respected in our industry. Is like if you don't have half your net worth in crypto, what are you doing? And it's like you bet you're not have half your net worth in anything unless you're like starting out into a house or something, right? Like, just we're never going to tell you, hey, have have your whole bankroll on the Jaguars to win the South. Like, right. you know, th- be responsible, but also like. There are people, and I think this is where I think this is where we have a responsibility as people who do sports betting content. We uh, people who uh, are thought of as sharp, like they need, they have responsibility. Like people who shill for things like NFT, like they have responsibility. Like people are people just want to gamble. People just want to invest. People, and you have a responsibility not to say shit like this. Like be like, oh yeah, I'm a I'm a millionaire. I've made tons of money doing one thing, acting, and all this kind of shit. And, but and my fans are gonna follow me while I put my whole net worth in NFTs. That seems kind of shady to me. I don't know. I I wasn't there. Okay, <laughs> I have a recommendation for the people. Oh, nice. By the way, I uh, listened to your recommendation last week, which um, was fantastic. I'm trying to remember the name of the podcast now because I am. Uh, a moron. I have it in my library here somewhere. Yeah, uh, against Lu- the rules. Yeah. Against the rules, Mike Lewis. And it was about male overconfidence. And it was a fantastic episode. And it had me thinking, by the way, Eric, about sports betting. Tell, find me a male that isn't confident in their sports take and willing to bet on it. Well, I you think, can't find one at this table. No, I <laughs> can't think, find one I at think, this table. Well, I thought honestly, it was fascinating. As somebody who listens to a lot of sports betting content myself, just because I I, I respect a lot of people in the space, like. There are a lot of like like take um, our friend Rufus Peabody. Like a lot of people say, like his podcast isn't necessarily all that entertaining because Rufus, you know, and, and people who comment on the show are like, "Oh, Eric does qualification. He qualifies things too much." It's like, well, yeah. Like I'm only gonna bet this if the price is minus one hundred five and not yes. minus one fifteen. Like th- that's because there are actual reasons here. But like that that's the hard part about sports betting content now is like really sharp folks like Rufus, like they're winning because a, they have an edge and B they're, they know the difference and they can appreciate the difference between minus one Oh five and minus minus one twenty. And when they talk about that kind of stuff, it's boring to the average person. Making money in an industry that might appear glamorous from a retail perspective is usually very different when you're making money in it. Um, but anyways, I was, this is not my, uh, my recommendation is this. Um, so there's a there's a guy he's on TikTok and uh, Instagram. His name is Thomas underscore Straker. He does this series um, on butter. He makes all different kinds of flavored butter. And um, is his name Anthony Trash? No, but uh, I made his one of them. It was Cafe de Paris butter, and it was very good. And so I recommend that you go check it out and try it. He has a bunch of them. I probably wouldn't make a lot of them just because I can't consume that much butter. But for a special occasion, it was it was worth it. I'll probably try another one of them at some point here. 
my recommendation is you go check it out and um, and you uh, give it a try. Here's the thing. You need recommendations for all the food content that you should actually try making because there's a ton of it. And it's hard to know. Is this just like a cool video? And like the other thing is a lot of these recipes that you see on there, it's like, yeah, here, come get 60 ingredients. Spend my favorite thing is like, yeah, you want to make like this really basic thing? Go spend two hundred dollars on it. Well, and like, isn't like the shtick like the food blogs all start with like the story that elicited why they love this food, and everybody's like, yeah, no one cares. I just want to make a risotto. Well, right now a lot of them are really focused on like the sound and visual component of it. You know, it looks cool. It's cho- it's well produced, but then you try and go make it, and you need like seventy ingredients to try it. Anyways, that's my recommendation. It's a lot cheaper than the recommendation I've given or that I gave last week. So you're welcome. Um, and also Eric's recommendation from last week. A lot of good episodes there. That was our show. We'll be back on Sunday night. We love you all. Peace.